Welcome to Bad Patient. I'm Robin. And I'm Laura. And we are two experts in training on life's big questions and little concerns. I'm like you've been there before. Yeah, not like we just recorded this intro six times in a row because I couldn't get my shit together. Laura. It's fine. It's thank fine. you for your patience. I was not patient. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> All right. So the world's on fire. Tell us about that. Well, it's not on fire. It, we're getting an illness. There's a new uh, disease called the coronavirus. Have you heard of it? Yeah. One of my friends is in Asia. Yeah. Ooh, yes. One of my friends is not going to Asia because of it. So it's the new disease is in the same like category as like the SARS disease that came out like a few years ago. This one is like the next big thing. There was like Ebola and SARS and swine flu. Lots so of ways to die. the next big thing that's going to kill us all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're lucky to still be alive. Uh, it was nice knowing you. Um, <laughs> so a couple of things that you should know about the virus. As of right now, scientists have discovered that uh, it is not related to, in any way, the adult beverage Corona. (laughs) Good to know. So we can still drink beer. Yep, you can still have your beer. So you're good, you're good, you're good. It doesn't seem to be like super duper contagious um, with human to human contact. It has made that leap from animal to human. but And it's in the U.S. now, right? Yeah, so people who have been in China have come to the United States, and that's currently, like, the people who have the coronavirus. So how do we get it? But They're not 100% sure, but, like, their go-to recommendations are to, like, wash your hands. So. Lame. Yeah. Aren't we already supposed to be but, washing our hands? Also, are people who, people who are not currently washing their hands are not going to start because of, like, a virus that's not that contagious. Yeah, I'm just so, saying. I mean, still, the flu is more likely to kill you than this disease, um, it's mostly scary because there's a lot of unknowns to like quote Donald Rumsfeld. There's this is the known unknown portion <laughs> of the yeah. virus. I um, mean, let's not credit that to Donald Rumsfeld. It's like uh, that's like well, a whole was, concept made, from like psychology made, or something. He made it. He made it famous of like there, oh. there's things that we know. There's things that we don't know. There are things that we know that we don't know, and there are things that we don't know that we don't know. So That's you're voting for Don Rumsfeld for president. Go on. <laughs> the people who currently have it in the United States have recently traveled to China. Um, there were like relatively close to where I live at Miami University. There were two students who traveled to China have come back that have possible exposure. And so they are currently in isolation. Um, oh, no. So like, I wonder if my friend's like, going to be in isolation. So maybe they're currently the, the people traveling from um, that area are being diverted to like five major airports and then on to the United States. So they're being um, screened. Um, the challenge is that it typically takes about 14 days after you've been infected for you to show any symptoms. So that can Ooh, be extremely challenging. That's just enough time to like infect an entire preschool. Right. So um, it's essentially, I don't know, did you see like the remake of like Battle um, Planet of the Apes? Where, like, the the very first, like, remake oh, one or whatever. I think so, where, like, actually. Where, the guy sneezed and then got on an airplane and then it spread across the world or whatever. That's, that's how it that's happens. That's basically what we're happening. Mm-hmm. Or um, scientists will find um, a vaccine or a cure for this one, too, and it'll all be okay. It's, it could go either way. It could go either way. I mean, okay, so I, I like to know that the destruction of the human race may or may not be impending. Um super quickly what are we like what can you give me like 10 seconds on what i need to know about like non-impeachment impeachment 
not impeachment maybe impeachment is it happening I, yeah so right now um the senate is um listening to just finish the opening arguments for both um the house representatives who are advocating for um conviction and then the president's Lawyers, I guess would be the correct term, um, were give, uh, gave their opening statements about why this is not an impeachable offense. And so right now, the major issue is um, John Bolton, who is the national security um, advisor for Trump during the time period in question, mm-hmm. is writing a book. And that, like, part of the manuscript was given to the New York Times, I believe. And a portion of that has been leaked, including a portion that said, like, in the book... John Bolton says that Trump told him that the aid to the Ukraine was linked to investigating a personal uh, political rival, um, which is kind of what this is all about. Trump has said that that is not true, that he's just trying to sell books. So the question is currently kind of facing Republicans is whether or not um, they should have further witnesses present to the Senate. And okay. so that's very debatable and a hot topic because there are a lot of Republicans who feel like what the House has set forward, they have said is very strong and like totally impeachable on these grounds. Then if that is the case, you shouldn't need additional witnesses or extra uh. testimony. So if your case is so strong, prove it with what you've presented, right? True and then the story. the other side is... <laughs> Other side is saying, like, well, there are new revelations. We requested that John Bolton come, but he declined the invitation. He was not subpoenaed by the House, but it is possible for the Senate to subpoena him. And then he has said that he would testify under subpoena. So that's kind of the current debate. There are a couple of Republicans who have indicated that they might be open to the idea of having witnesses, um, but that hasn't really they need four to like switch sides essentially i think with the democrats but then that opens up to okay if we have john bolton come then then the other side's going to say well we want joe biden and hunter biden to come and under oath say that they didn't do any shady shit right so so that's like the debate so um that's what they're they're going to have 16 hours of questions tomorrow and then they'll decide 16 hours yeah then they'll decide whether or not they will have um additional testimony by witnesses so um by the time people hear this this may probably most likely would be old news (laughs) that's where we are like currently (laughs) okay okay maybe i should post this one early only i have to be careful i have to be careful because there was like five episodes we posted in january and we only have like three hours worth of upload time before i have to upgrade our plan again and uh spoilers not in the budget so uh yeah yeah in other news uh this episode will definitely be less than 40 minutes long <laughs> Fair. that's Solid. the number of minutes we have left also while yep. you were talking i made a mental note to listen to this episode because uh i was uh drifting in and out on i'm sorry i just politics are hard it's just like the question i know (laughs) and then there was just so much information party foul it's just (laughs) i know but i'm admitting to it i mean i'm because honesty is one of my personal values (laughs) all right do you need like advice or something i I do 
I do. Okay. Actually, and hang this- on. Let me let me really be focused. <laughs> I ask the question. <laughs> Go ahead and get your and raisinets out. What you said. <laughs> well, I think that I feel like I should know about politics more than I actually want to know. So I'm like, fill me in, and then halfway through, I'm like, yeah, this is why I don't want to know. Bail, bail. It's like I want to, yeah, I want to, like, be a contributing citizen, and I also feel like, I mean, we went to Tahiti for 46 days, we came came back, and, like, nothing had really changed. We were away from the news for so long, we came back, and, like, there was some shootings, and, like, politics was a nightmare. So, okay. So, you know that phrase... It's either hell yes or no. Someone came up with that. It was this big internet thing a few years ago. Have you heard of that? Sure. Okay, well, I'm having trouble implementing it, and I really like it. So I love the idea that you don't do things that you're not enthusiastic about. And obviously, this is excluding stuff that we have to do. Like, we're not all going to go to work and be like, email's not a hell yes for me, so I am out. But when you're choosing how to spend your time... There's this concept that either you like enthusiastically are like, hell yeah, I'm doing it. And if you're not able to be enthusiastic, then you don't do it. And what I want to know is in the implementation of this. So I'm just to be clear, I'm not asking if I should do it. I'm freaking doing it. But I want to know like. yeah, you are. (laughs) Exactly. I'm a hell yes on doing the hell yes. No, but I just am thinking about like, does that in some ways kind of like preclude you from trying things or like letting things unfold? And I was thinking about that, like you and I talked earlier today about uh, seven networking events I've recently attended and okay, there was one that see, that I was enthusiastic about. And so I'm going to follow your advice and do that. But like, does this really work in all aspects of life? What are the limitations of hell yes or no? There are limitations with everything, right? But I feel like the major limitation is that um, I'm lazy. And so like, I'm not yeah. about most things. Um Especially, like, if I'm concerned that I won't like them. <laughs> no, exactly. And, like, I think a lot of social events for me, it's – I really do want to go. But, like, 10 minutes before I leave, I think, like, uh, you know. And then once I get there, I'm fine. And I'm, like, really enthusiastic about it. And I'm super excited that I went. And I think that's something that I learned from moving to a place that I didn't know anyone is the, the way I feel 10 min- minutes before I leave is not an indicator of like how well this is going to go, right? Like it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't want to put a ton of conditions on this, but yeah, there has to be some room for like ambivalence. And is, is every ambivalent thing really a no? I mean, think about it with friendships where things like wax and wane. Although I would say like I'm still like people I'm friends with, I'm hell yes about them as human beings. And if we haven't been able to connect for a while, I still have that core feeling. So I guess it does work. It does work with like people relationships. But don't you sometimes have to like give things a little time? Or is it, well, I mean, okay, like these networking things, maybe I just went to them and they were having an off week if there was like, there was a couple that just weren't helpful. But maybe if I went again, it would be super great. Do you genuinely believe that? I'm skeptical. (laughs) All right. Well, then that's a hell no. (laughs) Yeah. No, to be fair, it's not a, yeah. You you did the hell yes, right? Like I'm going to do all these networking things hell yeah i was like hell right? yes on networking right like and yeah then it didn't work so you can I always mean, change it to a no right well i mean it's to be seen whether or not any of it really is quote gonna work or not but yeah i mean you had one really positive experience with like two you made two real connections right and then the other ones were just kind of like meh yeah so i'm gonna go with 
do the one that you made positive connections with. And mm-hmm. then if that doesn't work out, you can always like opt out yeah. to like something else or supplement. Yeah, I agree. And so where in life do you think hell yes works or doesn't work? Because it works. It works for friendships. It seems like, OK, it works for like networking events. It probably doesn't work for food. <laughs> doesn't work for food. Yeah, because. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like today I ate carrots before I ate my lunch because my lunch was like chicken and noodles or something. Uh, don't judge me. I'm busy. <laughs> and do you like how Judged. I'm busy and busy? Like, like I'm busy has become like this armor or something. You know, you're like, mm-hmm. ah, I'm busy. Um, and I, I seriously just ate the carrots because I was like, oh, I should eat a vegetable. Let me hear some carrots in a bag that I could eat. Like, OK, done. I wouldn't say I was hell yes about the carrots. So it doesn't work for food. It probably does work for dating. Like, because I remember when I was going on like 1 million first dates. Um, really, I think I probably went on 50 first dates that one year or something. But um, yeah, I remember there was a time when I considered going on a second date with anyone who asked, figuring anyone could make a bad impression once and maybe like maybe I'm missing something. And no. No, I was never missing something like things that started out like lukewarm did not did not improve necessarily, really. Yeah. So there's that. I think there's it has to be a connection. And if it's not there, then especially mm-hmm. with friendships and people. Yeah, it's hard. And I think some things. It. But like, what about like endurance training? Like, I don't know that every single day I'm hell yes about my workout, but I guess I'm hell yes about the about the mission. Right, yeah. And so that's why, like, the workout, I'm doing it because, like, there's an underlying hell yes. Right. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Speaking of hell yes, what what topic are you are you hell yes about from your organizational leadership life right now? So uh, one of the things that I've, like, been thinking about is the growth mindset. Are you familiar with that? I think so. I feel like that's the wrong answer, but I think so. <laughs> Hell yeah. The growth mindset uh, was introduced by Carol Duane, um in like 30, 30 years ago. Um, and it's the idea that like if you have the mindset that you're capable of growth and that you are you can change, then you can. But if you don't think about that, then you can't. So like intelligence is not a fixed measure. So they did an experiment with children where um, before they had them do a test, they talked about how smart they were and how brilliant they were and how clever they were. And then they had them take a test. And then students did worse on the test when they struggled after being told that they were smart versus saying like, oh, you must have like that was like really challenging, but like you tried really hard or, you know, those types of things. So like encouraging, not putting the emphasis on intelligence and smart, but like the perseverance and figuring it out, uh, resiliency and like trying new things and keep on trying and those types of things. So that works with um, kids, but it also works with um, adults as well as that we if we don't have a growth mindset, if we don't feel like you can learn or will learn then you won't so it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that way but it's something that you can opt into by changing the way and reframing the way that you do things Hmm. so like working in higher ed that's kind of what i've been trying to do with my students of like encouraging them that they do seem like they have the perseverance like even when i have kids 
because as an academic advisor, I have students who are on academic probation because they did poorly um, the previous semester or multiple semesters and kind of looking at like what they did. They had like their life explode and um, they got a C in one class and D in another and failed one. And, you know, it was just like a lot of drama or whatever. And mm-hmm. I definitely emphasize like despite everything that happened, you didn't fail everything. So that really shows that you were like trying and that ah. you had like, a good buffer and that you were able to like pull through. So like you persevered in those classes. So it's not like you're not capable of this. You know, life happened and preventing you from doing that. So like. If you can get that under control and here are, like, the resources to help, that can help, like, students and trying to frame it as a way of, like, they had this challenge and they made it through and they can do it again and trying to incorporating that into the language that I use on a daily basis with especially probationary students to kind of encourage that growth mindset uh, with them. So, yeah, Mm. that's what I've been thinking about. I love that. And, like, quick confession that I think – I'm in the professional development group that's pretty intense and growth mindset has been said dozens of times and I don't know that I ever 100% understood it like after hearing you explain it. I mean, you can kind of get a sense for what it is, right? But it's just something that pops up all the time and someone has a question or an issue that they process and then someone says like, well, that's about having a growth mindset and then everyone agrees and uh, yeah, okay, this makes sense. It also makes me think of younger kids and education and how a lot of times like kids who struggle in one area are really gifted in other areas, but we tend to like hammer the the weaknesses, like you need to work on your reading or like you need to work on your math, like did it which is kind of like what strengths like Clifton Strengths Finders was designed to move around is like it doesn't make sense for all of us to work on our weaknesses and then become average at things that we're bad at. It makes sense for us to work on our strengths and become good at what we're good at. But um, that's a little bit of a tangent. But this also reminds me of, we talked about resiliency last week. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like you're helping them build resiliency by telling them like, okay, like it's it's the circumstance. It's not you like depersonalizing it. Yeah, because how much do we, like, harm people by making them feel like a screw-up as a person because of a screw-up that was an action, right? It's like mm-hmm. like your screwed-up choice is not your screwed-up self. Like, you, you're not fundamentally screwed up because you made a screwed-up choice. But I think as a society, like, we love labeling people screw-ups and, and that, like, kids that have a negative educational experience or, like, don't fit into our flawed educational model – often go through life feeling like they're less than just because they weren't good at math or they weren't good at spelling or like whatever. And it's some bullshit. So what I think you should do, obviously, then, Laura, is get yourself into, you know, a kindergarten class because this is a great concept and just, you know, start educating early. Just be like, I'm Laura. I'm your college academic advisor. We're getting an early start. Perfect. Love it. Yes. Awesome. Are you ready for an adventure update? Give me an adventure. So um, you'll be happy to know that my next big race is just 18 short weeks away. And I know this because, no joke, someone is making the loudest noise next door that anyone has ever made while we were recording. Okay. So I'm, self, I'm self-coaching, and which involves me reading 
the triathletes training Bible and then implementing it. And then this year, cause I'm doing something new. I'm, I'm seeking some outside help from a couple sources. I seriously, what, what are the neighbors doing? So I'm seeking help from a couple outside sources. And I guess like the, the, the meat of this is that there is a point at which your resource only goes so far, like your book only goes so far and you kind of have to know yourself and figure it all out. And so, so it's like, I'm kind of trying to find this balance between like, this isn't a year where I have budgeted in uh, personal coaching because spoilers, we just spent six weeks not working and, and that's cool, you know, but I've been kind of weighing the different approaches out there. And one interesting thing that's come up is that in the past, people used to think that like in order to do a long endurance event, you just have to have a certain number of hours. Like if the race is going to take you seven hours, then you need to hit like, I don't know, depending on who you ask, like you need to have a week where you go up to 14 hours of training or 11 hours of training or whatever. And now people are starting to to realize like you can do it on less or people are starting to talk about the balance and like, what does it look like? And honestly, it's just probably gonna be more painful on the day if you're not adequately prepared or you don't do more. But there's also like, there's like a happy medium somewhere, right? Where you're like, you're getting like the maximum amount of training and you're like minimizing the injury potential that comes with like really long hours of training. And so kind of like the questions that I'm going to be asking are like, how many hours can I train based on how many years I've been doing this, which I don't know, like four, five, and then what kind of increase can I make year over year? And then like, is that adequate? And I think it will be fine because I've had a little input so far and it's going to be okay. But also for me, it's like nothing feels settled until I have seen like the whole plan. Also, nothing is going to be settled until my neighbors stop hammering on this goddamn wall. So what's the update? Really, Laura, there's there's 24 hours in a day. They're hammering for three minutes now of those. T- now is the time. I'm not blaming them. How could they possibly know? It's just, it's a sweet, sweet irony. All right. Okay. Emotional intelligence on display for you today. All right, Laura, how'd we do? I think we kept it under 40 minutes. We are like (laughs) well under 40 minutes, which gives me time for one last unscheduled update. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? I'm ready. I got programmable smart LED light bulbs and my whole life is about to be color temperature perfect. And like you can, you can group the light bulbs together and you can program them to come on at different times and go off at different times. And I don't know if you remember me going bananas when we talked about like blue light and all the research about like hormonals, like rhythms and like circadian rhythms and hormone levels and like stuff that's affected by like showing your body the wrong color temperature of light at the wrong time. Like even a little bit of like blue light at bedtime is like your body is going to say like, oh, I should produce these chemicals, blah, 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 to like keep you awake. And it, and it's bad. And it goes all the way into like your immunity it has very far reaching effects. So I wish that my bulbs were a little brighter, but I'm telling you, I can't wait for tonight and I'm going to like dim everything and it's going to be like very warm and uh, we're not going to be able to read books anymore in the evening, but I think, you know, small price to pay. (laughs) That's all I got. It's worth it. It's worth it. (laughs) All right. Are we good? Yes. I feel like we are slowly emerging, changing, 
into Experts of Tomorrow. Laura, stop giving it away. Okay, folks, maybe we're going to be doing some rebranding. Maybe Laura just gave it away. That's your gift for listening to the end of the episode. Until next time, we are bad patients. Until we're not. And then we'll be something else. <laughs>